one of the few things that I, 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 I struggled for a time is really, is really um, prayer. Because, uh, you know, throughout the years of my, of my Christian experience, growing up in a Christian church, I grew up in a Christian church, by the way. Did you know that I've been, I, I was one of the very first baby Jesus in that church? I was only, I was only one year old when I was, they made me baby Jesus. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> then then uh, I was involved in the youth ministry. I was involved in, in pretty much, uh, I would say, if you're going to look at my life and my brother, Ariel, and, and Anne, my sister, if you look at our family, you would say, lagpas na kami sa langit kasi we are in church. Almost every day. Like, and the reason we're in church is because my mom would, mm, we're not going to go. She's going to pull my ear. No, she, I, sometimes she does that, but not oh, all the time. But we're there Wednesdays because there's prayer meeting. Fridays, sometimes we get some youth stuff. And also Saturday because my mom was the choir director. So, so, so I have to be in church. But we, we, we love, we love the fellowship. We love, we love the being part of that church growing up. But you know, even though I grew up in church, I memorized a lot of stuff from the Bible, read many parts of the Bible. I prayed. You know that I was not a Christian. <laughs> I was not a Christian. I was, still, I was still an unbeliever. I didn't really, really know what it means to follow God, follow Jesus Christ. Not until someone, when I was 16, in high school. It was in school, not in church, by the way. Somebody took me from the, my, my, my room. My, uh, many of us kids took us from our room because they were, we were kicked out from our room because we were annoying. And this kid, uh, this high school, uh, this college student came to our, camp, to our high school campus and shared the gospel with me. And so that's how I came to know Christ, through, through that person, Norman. His name was Norman. And, and, and so that began my journey as a Christian. Even though I grew up in church, it didn't make me a Christian, by the way. It was my personal commitment to Christ through the, through the message of the gospel. Now, one of the challenges I had over since then, that was many years ago, many, many, uh, is prayer. Because, you know, there's a lot of messages that comes to us when it comes to prayer. Hey, you just need to talk to God. Yes, prayer means talking to God. Uh, and sometimes people will say, um, you know, you just have to claim what you want. And God will give you what you ask. Just think of what you want from God and ask God, Lord, I claim this and that. And God, you know, you just think of what you want. Or think of a need. Then maybe ask God, then, then expect God to give what you're thinking and what you're asking. But the question is, is prayer like that? Is it really something that you just think of, whatever you want, then ask God for it? Now, I want to talk about this because I want to answer the question. And, and of course, Prayer, by the way, is tightly connected to God's sovereignty. And we preach about this how, three weeks ago, two Sundays ago, or three Sundays ago. We talk about sovereignty. And, and God's sovereignty and prayer, it's very tightly knit. You cannot separate the two. You cannot separate that. And I want to explain what it is. And, and the thing we want to talk about is how do we approach God in prayer? I'm talking about attitude I'm talking about the condition of your heart. I'm talking about what to expect when you pray. Meaning, what should your heart be? What should your thinking be when you pray? Now, we learned this last time that, that God is a sovereign God. Okay? I, I hope we all understand this already. And, and, and what, so, what sovereignty means is that whatever the Lord pleases, He does. Meaning, meaning sovereignty means God will do whatever He wants to do. Regardless of what you think and what you want. Doesn't matter what you think or what you want, by the way. God will do whatever he wants to do. It's not us, but him, what he wants to do. And, you know, but here's the thing. You know, that passage there does not say, it does not say he does whatever pleases us, Right? It does not say the, whatever pleases man, but it says there, whatever pleases the Lord, whatever pleases him. But we can be confident in this, that whatever God does for you, it will bring you blessing. By the way, the word blessing can be translated as happiness. 
It will bring you blessing. It will bring you joy. It, can be, it will bring you peace. Even though it, is, it might not be what you want, but whatever God wants for you and whatever he does, it's going to bring those things. Because the Bible says that God is a good father. He's a good father. And, and the Bible tells us also that the Lord knows how to give good gifts. You know, if somebody give you, gives you good, a good gift, you're going to be happy, right? I mean, I mean, you will not be happy if someone gives you a gift, but it's not good. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of people who give you good gifts, and they'll just add up to your, to your collection in the garage, and it, just, it will add to all the dust and everything. I mean, there's a lot of junk we receive as well, right? But there are gifts that are really, really good, that the person who gave you really thought of it, really considered that if you really like it, that you will like it. So, so God, when he gives something to you, he knows what he's going to give and it's going to be good. And you're going to be pleased with it. Okay, Let, that's something I want you to know about God. Now, when God answers our prayers, if you are a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you will be pleased with the answer. You will be pleased with the answer. Why? Because you know the will of God. You know what God desires. And you understand what God is doing. You understand why he's giving you whatever he's giving you. Meaning as a faithful, obedient follower of Jesus Christ, you know that this is what God wants for me. You know, there are times... You might not understand fully. Maybe there, was a, there, there might be a time where you're displeased with what God is giving you because you don't understand fully. But once you come to the point of understanding that what God is giving me and what his answer to my prayer is, 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 is something that I understand, I can be happy. I can be pleased with it. Now, let me give you an example in my life. You know, when I was, before we moved to Austin, I was working for another company in, uh, in, in Idaho. And while I was there, I was displeased with the situation I was in because there was so much, I would say, I don't know how to describe it, but there's some, there, there were some negative things going on in the company that I was working for that it caused me distress, frustration, and, and, and I really, it really brought heartache that there were points in that, in those times, in the years that I was there, I would be crying in front of Rella because I, I didn't like what's happening in the workplace. I love the job, but there are some parts of that job that really made me, was painful to me. And, and, and so to the point that I had to leave, I had to resign. I actually resigned. And that's why we ended up moving to Austin because I resigned from that job. And, and of course, my brother and my sister, they also chose to move to Austin, so all of us are here. Now, at that very moment, it was something displeasing. And I think it was an answer to my prayer. All the negative circumstances that happened in the job, I believe it was an answer to God's prayer, to my prayer. And, and that was God's answer. But it, at that time, it was displeasing. I disliked that. But although exciting as well, because we're going to move to a new city, a new, new state. So both ways. But now, knowing what God had in store for us in Austin, looking back now, wow, God, that was a good plan. That was something that was good. Now I can appreciate what he has done because I see the big picture now. But back then, you don't know, right? You didn't know what God was doing. Now here's the thing also. If you are a carnal Christian, if you are an unbeliever, you, don't be, you, don't, you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus yet. For instance, here's, here's a situation. You might be praying and asking God, maybe you have some problems a problem going on in your life, and you're asking God, give me relief from this trouble. Give me peace. I want peace in my heart, Lord. And you know how God is going to answer your prayer? He's probably going to give you even more problems and more troubles. And you're going to say, how come the answer is opposite? Here's why. Because God's priority, if you are not a Christian, God's Highest priority in your life is not your comfort. It's not your job. It's not your health, by the way. It's not the, the thing that you say blessing. That's not the most important thing for God. The most important thing for God is your salvation. Is your salvation. And he will bring all these things, maybe a calamity in your life, a greater trouble, 
so that you will come to the point of desperation. He wants you to the, come to the point of desperation and repentance, that you're at your lowest state, that you hit rock bottom, and when you're at the rock bottom, that's the moment you can say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you now. I'm going to surrender my life to you now. But unless you haven't reached that rock bottom yet, you're going to be prideful. You're going to say, oh, I'm not ready to accept Jesus because it's just, it's just an extra, you know, thing in my life. God has to take you to a rock bottom situation. And you know, sometimes for some people, God might even take the life of a family member. And I've seen that happen a lot. God will take the life of a family member. You don't wait for that to happen. Don't wait, God, don't wait for that to happen, for God to put you on a rock bottom before you accept him. Because it's going to hurt a lot. It's going to be painful. Because God's most important priority in your life is to bring you to the knowledge of the truth. In fact, that's found in, 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 uh, in see. Oh, I have, don't have it here. In 1 Timothy 2, 4, this is what he, that's what this passage says. He wants all people to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants all people saved to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is, that is really where God wants you to, to be. Okay. Okay. So don't wait for that rock bottom moment, okay? When you know that God is already telling you to accept him, surrender your life to him, then do it. Do it. Now, what is prayer? We're going to focus on prayer. What is prayer? What is prayer? Generally, when we say prayer, it is simply communication with God, talking to God. Just like anyone talking to someone, we can say it's sort of prayer because it's simply communication with God. But, but when you look at scripture closely, and I did some study, study for this sermon on, on this aspect, you know, there are different verbs in the Bible that describes prayer. And when I look at all those verbs in the Greek, the Greek verbs, this is what their definition is. Each of those Greek words. I will not mention the Greek word anymore, but the definition only. If you look closely in scripture, prayer means to ask, to desire, to beseech. Meaning when you say beseech, it means to implore, to beg, to appeal, to petition. Those are the different kinds of words you can use in prayer. Petition, to call for help, to call to one's aid. These are the different Greek meanings for the, Greek, for the word prayer, meaning the verb form of the word prayer. And all these words, to ask, to desire, to beseech, to petition, to appeal, to call for help, these are all translated to just one word in English, prayer. By the way, in prayer, we can, we can worship God, that's true. You can worship God. You can also confess your sins. That's also part of your prayer. You can say, Lord, uh, I've done this this morning. I lied to my wife, Lord. Forgive me, Lord God. Uh, to worship God, meaning you might be saying to God, Lord, you are holy. You are good. Lord, I worship you because you are who you are. Maybe you can also give thanks to God. You can say, Lord, thank you that you grant me this blessing. Uh, Lord, I'm able to now pay my rent. So, so that, those are different kinds of prayers. But if you look at scripture, the most common form of prayer in scripture is asking. Petition. Petition, asking. And if you're not convinced, I want, I want us to open our Bible. So that passage uh, Phoebe read earlier, our scripture for, day, for today, it is Luke 11, verses 1 to 13. And Luke 11, 1 to 13 who among you knows this passage? Who among you are familiar with this passage? Luke 11, 1 to 13. Julian? Oh, Jennifer is familiar with this passage. What's significant about this passage? Yes, this, not just the Lord's Prayer, but in general, this is Jesus' teaching on prayer. If you want to know what prayer is, read this passage. Because this is where Jesus teaches his disciple on how to pray and what is prayer? This is where you find Jesus teaching on prayer. So let me read to you just the first few verses. And let's go to this verse by verse by verse until verse 13. Starting with verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place when he had finished. One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray 
as John taught his disciples. Medyo nainggit sila kay John, uh, sa mga disciples si John, maybe, because John was teaching his disciples to pray. So they also asked Jesus, by the way, John the Baptist, so Jesus said, uh, they asked Jesus also to help them. Then he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we, for our, we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, how many of you say this prayer all the time? Like, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. How many of you do this? How many of you do this? Say this prayer. Do you still pray Lord, the Lord's prayer like this? Not anymore. They are good. That's good. Because, here's the thing. There's still a lot of people in the world who say this prayer. That's sad. You know why? Because if you read this, what does it say there at the beginning in verse, verse 2? Go back to verse 2, Jimmy. Uh, says there, when you pray, say. Now, if you go back to Matthew, there's another parallel to this passage. And, and it even, it's even more clearer. This is what Jesus said in Matthew. I'm just going to read it to you. You don't have to go there. It says there in Matthew 6, uh, 8, it says there, pray then like this. So this prayer pala, this prayer is not an it's not the prayer that you have to say word for word. It is a model prayer. It's an example prayer. So you just use it as an example. So kung example naman, you're not gonna, example, pag sabi ng teacher, example, does it mean you're gonna copy exactly what it's written? No, it's just, an, it's, just a, it's just a pattern. It's just a pattern. So basically, this is a pattern prayer. So what you find in this prayer is that the beginning of this prayer is worship. And basically, when you pray, you must begin with worshiping God. That's really the model there. It says, Jesus says here, Father, holy is your name, or hallowed be your name, or holy is your name. So whenever I pray, I should begin by saying, Father God, you are good, you are holy, you are worthy to be praised. Thank you, O oh God. You, are, you created all things. That's how you begin your prayer. You need to recognize who God is first. But what you'll find out in this passage, we're not going to study the Lord's Prayer today. That's another sermon we've done before. But I want you to notice something. After, after Jesus told his disciples to begin with worship, you notice every other request here, in verse, starting with verse 2 up to 4, is all asking. It's all petition. Every one of this is petition. The first, first here, Jesus is asking the Father to, for his kingdom to come, meaning God to bless his work in this world, to bless his kingdom, bless the church, bless his people, talking for, about God's kingdom, which is the church, is part of it. Also, he's asking God, uh, Lord, grant me forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to help me forgive others. It also talks about asking for your needs. Lord, grant me my daily needs, my daily bread. Lord, grant, daily bread, by the way, means needs. So meaning when you say give, me, give, your, give us our daily bread, what it means is to ask God for all your needs. Whether it's your health, whether it's a job, whether it's food, whether it's your home, whether, whether there's trouble in your home and you ask God, Lord, give me blessing or help me in this situation with my son, with my daughter, or Lord, I'm sick. That's the word daily bread. It covers every need. And you can also see here that we are asked to, to, to for, we need to ask God for protection. Uh, and, and it's not here in, the, in, in Luke, but you find it in Matthew, in the other, other version of uh, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, to ask for protection from evil and also deliverance from temptation, that you will not fall into temptation. Lord, help me that I will not fall into a compromising situation, Lord. I don't want to be in a situation where I end up doing something wrong. That is what the word means, lead, not in, lead us not into temptation. It means that you're asking God, Lord, don't put me in a situation where I end up doing something wrong. Because once you're in that situation, you're going to fall. Because we are weak, right? But of course, God is our strength. He will help us not to come to that point where we end up failing. So you notice, even the Lord's prayer is still petition. It's still asking from God. Now, bear with me. I'm going somewhere with this. And so what happened in this passage next, what Jesus did is he gave us a parable. And it starts with verse 5. 
He gave us a parable in verse, starting with verse 5. And one interesting thing, interesting thing about this parable is that if you look, read other, oh, the parables of Jesus, the other parables of Jesus, normally among Jesus' parables, uh, on Jesus, all his parables, he would usually say, he would usually talk about what God is like. Or who is God based on the parable? What, what God looks like? What the kingdom of God is like? But this parable is unique because this parable talks about what God is not like. <laughs> it's, it tells us that God is not like this. So let's, let's read this in verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight, hating gabi, and say to him, katok ng bahay ka, sakay, sakay, you're, you're knocking at the door of your neighbor at midnight, and asking, tak, 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 and said, friend, friend, lend me some loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. I have nothing to give to my friend who came from the journey. Friend, bigyan mo ako ng, ng, ng tinapay. And three loaves, by the way. Three loaves. Lend me three loaves. And, and of course, yung kaibi, the friend who was inside the house uh, responded uh, and he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Now, in the Jewish back then, of course, wala silang air conditioning back then. They don't also have heater probably in their house or maybe there's fire, but maybe at this point in time, the fire has already died out. So it's very cold, right? So all the kids, and usually back then, probably they would huddle in one bed, the entire family, to, you know, to help with the heat. And they're all probably tucked in, all of them on the same blanket. It will help with the heat, uh, heating, uh, protecting them from the cold. And so it's probably very hard for this guy to get out uh, from all his kids and wife and, and go to the kitchen and get bread and go to the door. That's why he was saying, I cannot get up anymore. My, my, every, my, my family is with me in bed already and we're already, it's probably sleeping already. But here's the thing. The guy who's outside asking for bread kept on knocking. I need, can you give me three loaves of bread? Please, 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 please give me three loaves of bread. Then, then, then in eight, verse 8, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because of his friend, but yet because of his impudence, he will rise up and give him whatever he needs. Na annoy na siya. Okay, sige na nga. Bigyan na kita. He'll probably, he did it not because it is his friend. He just did it because he's already annoyed and he wanted to sleep. And he did it because he needed to sleep. Or else hindi siya makatulog, di ba? He will not be able to sleep. So he will rise and give whatever he needs. Now that portrait there, the portrait here is that this person who is inside the house is not like God. Because God is a good God and he is the kind of person that if you ask, he will readily give. He will readily give. This man was reluctant and God is not. He's not reluctant to give things that you ask for. He is good. Unlike this person inside who, 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 who didn't really want to help. But Here's one thing that I, I want to show you. In this passage, this person who was asking was persistent. Was persistent. He kept on asking and asking and asking until this guy inside gave him what he needed. God is not against persistence, by the way. God is not against you asking for the same thing over and over and over and over again. In fact, the Bible encourages us to be persistent in our prayer, to be unrelenting. You're never going to end badgering God on asking for something. Uh, God is encouraging us, the Bible encourages, encourages us persevering in prayer. But here's the thing, the prayer must be heartfelt. Just like this guy, it was heartfelt, persevering. And his need... Yung kailangan niya, it's very reasonable. It's reasonable. It's important. It's something that he really needs. It's a real need. It's not just something he wants. It's a need. 
So these are some th things you need to understand about prayer. That God is not against persistent prayer. In fact, we're commanded in the Bible to pray unceasingly. Unceasingly. So the person inside is not like God because God is willing to answer your prayer. And he's a good God. But we also learn from this person who is asking that that is how also we should ask God. Persistently, unrelenting. In fact, the Bible tells us to pray unceasingly. So what is God against then when it comes to prayer? There are two things, or in fact three, or two, only two. Matthew 6, 6 to 8, and I, I hope I, I, I have it there, Jimmy. Let's, let's just read this. Matthew 6, 6 to 8. says there, But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father in secret. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. So God wants you to pray in secret. And when you pray, do not heap up empty praises like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by very many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need even before you ask. Even if your mouth hasn't said anything, God already knows what you want. So here's the thing that God hates when it comes to prayer. God dislikes mindless repetitive, repetition prayer. Repetitive prayer is like the second one here. There's a lot of people who pray like this. They think that they have lots of words. God will listen to them. They will say the same word over and over. The sentence will say it 2,000, 3,000 times, 10,000 times. Pagans do, it, do this all the time. Pagans do this all the time. But unfortunately, there are people who are claimed to be Christians. They do this also. God dislikes this prayer. Mindless, mindless, mind-numbing prayer. And if you're still doing this, stop. Stop. And also, God dislikes prayer. Ngayong pretend prayers lang. For show prayers. Yung pakitang tao na prayer. You pray because people are looking at you. You pray just to impress people. God dislikes these kinds of prayer. So this is the difference between a persistent prayer. The persistent prayer, there is a heartfelt need. You are really crying to God and asking, Lord, save my son. Save my brother, Lord. I pray that they will become believers in you, Lord. And you ask for this over and over. You know, there are um, some of the, the, the fathers of the faith and Christians back then. They would pray for their family members and, 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 and some of them, they would pray for years and years and years. I forgot one of the, the well-known preachers from the previous century that he prayed for his friends and, and, and he had five friends. And two of his friends, I guess, uh, became believers while he was alive. But the, some of his other friends, he's been praying until he died for seven, probably 70, 80 years. He's been praying every day for those friends. But you know, they eventually became Christians after, after he passed away. He was not able to see his friends become Christians. But eventually they became Christians. All of them, all five people he prayed for. So be persistent in praying. But it's different than this kind of prayer where mindless repetition over and over and over again. So, so those are two different things, by the way. And this, the mindless repetition is what God dislikes. So another thing that you find in this passage is that it also reveals our attitude when we pray as Christians. It shows to us that we are to ask. Not just persistent, but persistent asking. So we are to ask. Um, let me... Go to verse 9. Let's move on to verse 9. It says in verse 9, what, 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 what did Jesus say here? After giving this parable, he said, And I tell you, as it will be given to you, seek and you will find, and knock and it will be opened to you. That is Jesus encouraging us to pray. And prayer must be asking, must be knocking, and must be seeking. Meaning that is something that you make an effort to ask God, Lord, I want this, Lord. Grant me this need, Lord God. And, and if, if that is a real need and that is really something that you desperately need, then you can ask for it every day until God answers your prayer. Meaning uh, an importunate prayer, uh, uh, a persistent prayer will not stop until God answers your prayer. You will not give up until God gives you a response. 
And again, the response, we're going to talk about this later, but the response might not be exactly what you asked for, but nevertheless, God will give you a response. And you will know it. Even as a believer, you'll know that God already is responding your prayer. So we are told to ask, to seek, and knock, and it will be given to you. It will be, you will find it, and it will be open for you. And in fact, in verse 10, it says, For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks will be opened. Now, let me give you other verses so, so that we'll solid, we'll, I'll try, I'm going solid, to solidify this point here because I'm getting somewhere here so that you will understand fully what I'm, what I'm trying to accomplish here. Philippians 4, 6, we are told, do not be anxious about anything. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Listen to that statement there. Let your request be made known to God. Let your request be made known to God. Meaning, meaning in, 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 in the NIV, it says we are to present our request to God. Present your request to God. Uh, Hebrews 4.16, another, another passage. Um, let us approach or let, let us with, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. In the NIV, it says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace and help to help us. First things that you find, and let me summarize these three passages for you. First thing you'll find is that God wants us to come to him with confidence. Confidence. Confidence because he is our father. But we must never forget that God is also a king. God is also a king. So when you approach God as a father and approach him approach as a king, then you can approach him with confidence but with respect, with reverence. That's a biblical word for, a deep, for deeper respect, reverence. Even Jesus, Jesus was the son of God. But when he spoke to God, he's respectful of his father. Even on the cross, by the way, you hear Jesus speak? You, you never, Jesus was in extreme pain. But did Jesus curse his father for even a moment? No. People of the world, they just curse God anytime they want. And here is Jesus who was in extreme pain. And the Bible even tells us that Jesus didn't look like a human being when he was on the cross. He was so disfigured to the point that you cannot tell that's a human there being crucified. Yet not a single moment Jesus said anything bad against his father. He was very respectful. Unfortunately for many Christians, when we pray or when we come to God, oftentimes we disrespect God. Another thing that you find in this passage that we just read, all these words, we are called to ask, to make a petition, to present our request to God. What this means when you give a petition to someone, a request to someone, what does it mean? What does it mean when you, when you send a request to someone? What it means is that let the person decide what the answer is going to be. Let the person decide how he's going to answer. And let the person decide when he's going to answer. You're just going to give a request. But the person who's going to receive it, let him figure it out for you. you. You cannot dictate the person and say, hey, you have to answer it exactly the way I want. It doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. You cannot expect exactly, you know, to God give you exactly what you want. And let me let me let me explain that. Now, let me give you an example from Scripture. It's Mark fourteen thirty-five, and this is when Jesus was on the on the Garden of Gethsemane. Garden of Gethsemane. And she was about to be crucified the next day. Listen to Jesus' prayer in Mark 14, 35. I don't think I, oh, it's there. It says here, and going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed. And listen to Jesus' prayer. This is his prayer. If it's, it were possible, let this hour pass from him, from me. I'm going to read the NIV here. My father, if it, it's possible, let the cup pass from me or, or let this hour pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as, your, as, as you will. Not my will, but as your will. You notice how Jesus prayed? He said, Father, I, I pray that don't let this happen to me. 
I, I, this is going to be difficult. I, I, let this pass over me. But Lord, if, if possible, don't let this happen. But Lord, let not my will be done, but yours be done. Jesus wanted out of it, but he knew that it's not his will. My father, although Jesus himself, he was committed to the cross, but he was struggling. He was struggling. Now, let me say, the reason why I'm sharing this to you guys is because there's a mindset today that's among Christians and among churches, and we pray like this. We, we, all, we hear this from preachers. They often say, hey, if you claim a promotion, if you claim a new job, claim from God, he will grant it to you. And they use the word claim. First of all, no, there is no prayer like that in the Bible. And I, I gave, in the, on the sheet here, I gave you some examples of prayers that's found in the Bible. Um, Luke 6, John 11, John 12, John 17, John 18, Acts 4, Acts 9, Romans 10, 2 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3. So there are examples of prayer in the Bible. And, this, and the sad thing is that approach of prayer where you say, I claim healing in Jesus' name, it does not exist in the Bible. It's not biblical. You know why? Because it violates God's sovereignty. It violates God's sovereignty. You are not anymore considering the sovereignty of God. It's your sovereignty. It's what you want. It's what you desire. And the question for again is, let's say you say, you say, Lord God, I claim a promotion for my life. But here's the question. You're claiming it from God. But are you sure it is 100% God's will? Are you sure? Can you absolutely say that this is exactly what God wants for you? Sadly, a lot of people who say those things, they're not. Then what's the point of claiming something that wasn't promised to begin with? Because when you claim something, it has to be promised to you. It's an absolute promise that you're going to receive it. Now, for instance, I'm going to go back to that story of the person inside the house. Listen to how the person outside the house was knocking. He said, Lord, uh, uh, friend, lend me three loaves. In under translation, it says, friend, let me borrow three loaves. That's what, he, that's what he said, right? Now, if I'm going to translate it to my prayer, I would say, Lord, I ask you, by your mercy and goodness, O oh God, that you grant me healing and deliverance from my sickness, Lord. That's how it's going to work in prayer, right? Friend, lend me three loaves. So I'm going to pray, use, use that strategy or that approach in prayer. I would say, Lord, because you are good, Lord, and gracious, Lord. Lord, I pray that you bring me healing, Lord. I ask you to heal me, Lord, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And I think this is the right way to pray. It should be the right way to pray. You are petitioning, asking God, and trusting his goodness and mercy that he's going to answer your prayer. That should be the right thing. But here's the thing. If I'm going to pray like this, Lord, I claim healing in Jesus' name. How is it going to translate to that situation? Friend, I demand that you give me three loaves of bread right now. To begin with, that friend doesn't owe you loaves. <laughs> That's what you're doing to God. When you say that claiming kind of thing, you're forcing God's hand. That's why if you're still watching those preachers on TV, stop. Because there's a lot of preachers on TV that's just lying to you. Many. You should be watchful. You should be careful because they're not teaching the word of God. And I'm, I'm probably going to be online as well. Somebody's going to say the same thing about me, but, but I'm not... I'm not worried about whatever everyone's going to say. I'm just concerned about you guys. Because I know all of you. You're my friends. You're my brothers and sisters. You're my biggest concern. So I hope you understand this. When you pray, you're not forcing God's hand to answer your prayer. You're depending on his grace and mercy. Let me end in this. Oh, Jimmy, can you show the last slide? Oh, okay. Let me, just, let's go back to that passage. 
let's just close the entire passage. So let's go towards the end now. Uh, verse 11 to 13. This is very important. I'm sorry, I almost missed that. Verse 11 to 13. Jesus is giving another example. He's saying here, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, instead of, uh, asks for a fish, but instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or, or if he asks for an egg, he will give him a scorpion. Is there a father like this in this world? Maybe. <laughs> but in general, most fathers, you know how to bless your children. You know how to give good things to your kids, right? Father or mother for that matter, right? Even if your kids ask for the wrong things, you know how to give them the right things. Like they might ask you for a PlayStation, you might think, oh, I think an Xbox is better for you. Right? right? No, I don't know. <laughs> so the point is, you as a dad, you know best how to, how to give things to your children. Jesus' point here, he says here, if you then who are evil, verse uh, 13, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts or give the Holy Spirit to ask to all who ask him? Basically, Jesus' point is, if you as a dad knows how to give, get, give good things to your children, how much more for God? How much more for God? He knows how to give you. So therefore, what this tells us that our prayer must be, must be founded on, on our trust in God's goodness, in God's goodness, in God's wisdom, in God's power. So let me end in these uh, five statements. First thing, prayer is what it means to depend on God. Let me ask you this question. What does it mean to depend on God for most of us? We often say, oh, I will just trust God. I will not worry. I will think about it. I will think about God all the time. I will depend on him in whatever circumstance. No. Did you know that dependence on God is not evidenced by just thinking about things about God or trying to forget your worries or something? What is the evidence that you are depending on God? It's prayer. Meaning, if you do something and you say, Lord, I depend on you, I will do this, I trust you, Lord God, but you haven't prayed about it, you're not really depending on God. It's not about your feelings. It's about how much time you spend in prayer. Because the more you spend time in prayer, it's the more evidence that you are depending on God. Meaning when you're about to do something and you spent an hour praying for that, it shows God that you are trusting Him. It's the evidence that you're really depending on God when you spend time in prayer. When you say, it's not the word that you say. Some people will say, oh, I just depend on God on this. I trust God. But you're not spending time in prayer. Your words are nothing. Your words are nothing. Prayer is evidence that you are depending on God. It really, this is what it means to depend on God when you pray. Pray in humility with and with respect. We know that God is a king, that he is our father and he's the creator. We must not lose sight of that when we pray. Never lose sight of that. You know, I, I really don't like to listen to these people in TV. They would say, oh, friend, come in God. Close, come in God. You, you know, some people, in the, you know, when they go to these Academy Awards and things, and they will say, oh, I, I thank the person up there. That's very disrespectful. Those people say, friend, come in to God. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't have a clue on who God is. Walang respeto. No clue. Stop doing that if you're doing that because you don't know who God is. Yes, we are friend of God. That's true. Because we are now believers, followers, children of God. But please don't do it in a disrespectful way. Parang, parang wala lang. Parang kaibigan mo lang na hindi mo maaasahan. You know, there are people like that. Please, don't do that. Pray. Simply, pray by simply asking and ask with all your heart. Pray by simply asking. Just ask. Don't try to force God's hand and saying, God, you have to answer it exactly the way I want. You don't have to do that. Just ask. Just present your request. And of course, pray in... in persistently, persistently. Keep on praying until God answers your prayer. Lastly, the Lord knows how to best answer your request 
You know, you know some, this, I want to point out this. You might be asking this question. Al, I thought faith was just believing on something. I'm going to believe hard enough and think hard enough and trust God hard enough to give me whatever I believe that he's going to give me. I thought faith was like that. I'm going to believe, believe on this and eventually God will give. You think faith is really that? In trying to really believe that God is going to give you whatever he's going to give you um, based on what you think, what you want? You know, biblical faith is very simple. And I'm going to give you just one sentence what faith is. It is simply trusting God. That's what faith is. What happens when we say faith in prayer, it is trusting in who God is. That he is good. That he is kind. That he is loving. And that he knows what you need. That he is all-knowing. That he is all-powerful. And if you trust God, then, then, then you know that his answer is going to be the best answer for you. Even if you think you want this answer, you know, sometimes, you, have you done this in your life? You prayed for something and it arrived exactly the way you want it, but it ended up giving you more problems than good? Yeah, sometimes God will do that. Dahil matigas ang ulo mo, he's going to say, okay, I'm going to give it to you, but you'll find out later on. I will give you more problems than good. I've been there. <laughs> I don't want to say it. <laughs> but it was hurtful. The Lord, I realized, Lord, forgive me, Lord. Lord. <laughs> I don't like this anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry I asked for this, Lord, but I don't like this. And whatever you want, Lord, that's what I want. So I hope you understand what I'm sharing you today. You pray like this. Pray with all your heart. Pray persistently. Don't give up until you know God has already answered. And trust him. That is what faith is. Trust him that he is good. His strategy, his ways, his wisdom and power. That he's going to do it the way he wants it. And it's going to be good. His ways is far more better than your ways, by the way. His approach is far more better than your approach. His thinking is far more higher than your thinking. That's what the Bible says. And if you think that's not, God does not care for you, he gave his life for you. He died for you. Meaning when God gives you something, he really cares for you. It's out of care. And if he does not give you something, he really cares for you than not to bring you into a situation that will, that will destroy your life. Because there are things that we're going to ask from God that's going to probably destroy our life. So God might not want to give it to us. Because he knows down the road you're going to be hurt or something bad is going to happen to you. So we just need to trust him. Because he is good. His, his wish, he has, wish, his, his in, has infinite wisdom. He is kind, gentle, faithful, loving. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us through your word, Lord. And this is also a reminder to me, Lord, that I need to be committed all the more in my prayer life, Lord, to be passionate, oh God, in, in, in bringing all my requests to you, Lord, and not give up, Lord God, until I see an answer from you, Lord. That we will not be, Lord God, we will not be the kind of people who easily quits, oh God, when it comes to prayer, Lord God. That we'll be persistent, Lord. That, Lord, we will learn to recognize your sovereignty, Lord God, that it is your will that matters, Lord. It is not our will, but your will. It's, it's what you want, but not what we want, Lord. And I know in my heart, Lord God, that you are pleased to answer our prayers, O oh Lord God. And the reason why we get answers to our prayers, because it pleases God. The reason why we get answers because God finds joy in answering our prayers. He finds, finds Lord, delight, O oh God, in giving us good gifts, just like a good father who wants to give good gifts to children. That is what God is. That is who God is. He wants to give us good things, Lord. But sadly, Lord, we don't know what is good for us, Lord. And, and we blame you. We fight against you, Lord. We quarrel against you because we think we know what we want, Lord. And we insist our own way, O oh God. And, 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 and later on we find out that we, we chose the wrong things, Lord. And then we blame you again, Lord. 
because we chose the wrong thing, Lord. So, Lord, help us to trust you, Lord, because you are good, loving and kind, Lord. You know the future as well as our past. You know our, our needs even before we ask, Lord God. You know what we think, oh God, even before, even before we say a word. Lord, I pray that you encourage my brothers and sisters to pray, to really pray. Maybe as they wake up in the morning, before they go to sleep, before they have their lunch or breakfast, maybe while they're driving, every opportunity, every moment, Lord, while washing the dishes, you're doing the laundry, Lord, every moment, every opportunity, we pray and present our requests personal requests, needs of our brothers and sisters, need of our family, needs of our family, need of our church, maybe the need of this country or this city or this world. There's so much to pray for, Lord, to present before you. And Lord, you said in your word that you will hear us, Lord, for the prayer of a, of a righteous person, a person who is made righteous through Christ as well, is powerful and effective. So, Lord, the real power, the real power is not in prayer. The real power is in you, Lord God. You are. You are power. Source of power. Lord, help us. Let our church be a prayerful church, oh God. Let our church be committed to this, Lord. Even everyone here, Lord, burden their hearts. Encourage every heart, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for love that has been manifested on the cross. Lord, as we face another week, walk with us every moment. Lead us and guide us. Help us to depend on you in every decision we make. Help us to depend on you in everything, every challenge that we face each day. And Lord, to depend on you means we're going to come to you in prayer. Bless those who are listening online. I trust their lives to you as well, wherever they are. Even our brothers and sisters who are sick today, grant them full recovery. We ask, Lord, that you heal them, Lord. We plead before you that you bring them healing, Lord. That they may be able to join us once again. And we plead before you, Lord, ask before you to allow this church to grow, Lord, both in number and in souls and in lives that are growing in you, loving you, Lord God, honoring you, Lord. Bless our life groups, O oh God, that we will continue to grow in faith in you, Lord, in the knowledge of your word. Lord, bless our fellowships that we learn to love one another all the more, Lord. Care for one another as brothers and sisters. Lord, thank you for the meal we're going to share. Let the love of Christ fill this fellowship, Lord. That everyone will know that God loves us and that we love one another. Let this be true for our church, Lord. Let, not, let this not be just a cliche or just a word we say with our mouth. Let the love of Christ really be true in this church, oh God. And of course, Lord, all in all, teach us to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength all the morning. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.